2021. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Agency Podcast. Eugene here in Toronto. Hi, Eugene. Candy here in Chicago. How are you doing? Hi. I'm doing really well, thanks. Good. I don't have any notes. I meant to remember what the hell I was going to talk about. Notes. Notes. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. Well, listen, I'm going to start off with an announcement. Okay. For people, listeners in in Toronto. Yes. um, Here in Long Branch, which is my community, tucked in the the southwestern corner of the amalgamated city of Toronto. Uh, We have uh, a lot of trees. We have a beautiful tree canopy and we've been, our neighborhood uh, association has been putting on a tree fest the last couple of years. And there's one coming up on October the 3rd. It's going to be at Marie Curtis Park. It's going to be lots of different tree related activities, but there's also going to be some music and uh uh, the folks that I play music with have been invited to play. So that's uh, our, our new and improved band. It's called the Long Branch Backyard Ramblers. And it includes Sheila Gregory on gut bucket bass and percussion. <laughs> that's Ted, awesome. Yes. Ted Myerskoff on guitars and vocals and little old me on claw hammer banjo. And uh, we're going to rock out, uh, well, maybe folk out uh, a half hour's worth of tunes on the afternoon of October 3rd. I don't know the time yet, but we're going to keep you posted. And uh, and if you hear about it here, I want to talk to you at the Tree Fest. Oh, good idea. Great. And I have another announcement. It's a repeat announcement from last week. Um, Anthony Stagg, my husband, um, podcast supporter, he is having, um, a, he's got a table at a group show on um, September 19th. And that's at Martin's Corner Bar and Grill. He's selling some paintings. Uh, Martin's Corner Bar and Grill is 2058 West 22nd place between 4 and 11. Go say hi to him. Uh, he might even have some agency merch there. I don't know, but he's definitely excellent. Gonna, yeah, excellent. A have paintings. a couple of support the bar first. Have a couple yes. of beers, then look at the art and support right. the artists. Yes, and the food is really yummy there. I, we it's a hangout we've been going to for years and years, long before I was working at the restaurant I work at now with another bartender. And one day I walk into Martin's and I'm like, "What are you doing here?" She works there. Her family owns the bar, oh, <laughs> and wow. she also worked at the place I was working at. So. It's kind of a, a fun place. And buy some art from um, Stay. He's got some uh, cool pictures there. I have had a hell of a fucking day. I've been well, bugging what, all day. What happened today? Well, it's, it's a good and bad thing. For a good reason, I've had a weird day. So my dear friend, Trisha, who um, listens to the podcast. Hi, Trisha. Hi, Trisha. and her mom are kidnapping me to Vegas. And I'm going this week. Wow. This is really a fun thing, right? We've got some shows we're going to see. I think we're seeing RuPaul's Drag Race. I think um, Trish and I are going to see. Excellent. I know. I think Trish and I are going to see Death Cab for Cutie. And I think we're seeing the stand-up comic Nikki Glaser, who I'm a big fan of. So we're going to do some pop culture out here, people. However, I have some Of course, you're going to try to do some interviews while you're there. I would love to. We'll see if I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) So I... This morning, I've been doing all this stuff. I've been helping a friend move. I've been doing some extra hours. And it got down to the wire where I usually bleach my own hair and tone it. I go to the beauty shop, get some toner, get some bleach, take care of my hair. I thought I'm going to go and get it done, kind of leveled out. 
even out some of the, the bad tiger stripes I've done to my hair. And so I get up around 6.30 this morning. I'm driving in the car at 7 towards my um, hair appointment. And about 10 to 8, because I have to drive quite a ways, I smell burning rubber. Uh-oh. And I immediately looked at my dashboard to see if it was my car. And in fact, it was the battery light was on. I happened to be not very far from the um, mechanic. But at about quarter after seven, after I had mangled my way through this terrible detour of, of road construction, I realized I didn't have my cell phone. And I almost started crying, but I couldn't turn around because it would add another half hour to my trip to backtrack. So I had to go to the appointment without my phone. Uh, what could happen? I thought that's fine. What could happen? Well, a lot could happen. So I didn't know what to do. I was going to drive straight to the hair appointment and take my chances that the car would start. But I'm thinking it's a battery light. What if it didn't start when I park it? And I can't call the hairstylist, our friend. Hi, Queenie. Um, so I just go to my mechanic, pull in, and I happen to be there Saturday for an oil change and to check the car that everything's okay. Well, that was my first mistake. Because <laughs> I did have an oil change on Saturday. He's like, you know, you were here six weeks ago. You're fine. Well, they can't predict the future. Um, I had a feeling it was pretty bad. He looks, as soon as he walked up to the car, he could smell the burnt rubber. He said, I think it's your alternator. You don't want to hear it's your fucking alternator because they have to take the whole engine out. Really? To change. Yeah, you do. You usually do. I guess it depends on the car. I guess it depends on the car. My car, I was pretty sure it's a little bit older. My my experience with alternators is uh, you you leave like $500 poorer. <laughs> I'm going to take this moment. If anyone wants to support us on our Patreon page. <laughs> <laughs> this would be an excellent this time. This would be an excellent time to support <laughs> us on our Patreon page. Some of us are fucked up the ass right now. Yeah. Anyway, thank God nobody got hurt. Um, I had to use the mechanic's phone to call Stag, who had Queenie's number, to tell her that my predicament. And the mechanic goes, I said, well, listen, I'm leaving for Vegas. I can't, I'm pretty freaked out about leaving the car. He goes, no, I'll fix it today. So off I go back home on the bus, about another hour and a half, go home. I do some things around the house. I'm cooking food for Stag. I made stew. I made Got your cell phone. I got my cell phone. And, um... I've got a pot of a uh, crock pot of uh, pork chops here right beside me. I'll post a picture mm-hmm. of that. And, um, you know, basically waited for the mechanic to call me. I couldn't really do anything else. And then I ran back off, got the car and I'm back home now on the podcast with roots. <laughs> and remember, visit our Patreon page. <laughs> and visit our Patreon page. I can't get my hair done and I've got to get my car fixed. So I'm going to Vegas, it looks like, with Roots, or I'll just bleach it there, or who knows what. Um, it's getting dark out right now. I was hoping to hit the uh, drugstore before, uh, you know, the day ended, but I may not make it. Well, as it Anyways, turns out, we've had a busy afternoon. We have had a busy afternoon. How are you doing over there? Well, uh, I'm doing I'm doing fine. Not, not nearly uh, such an exciting day. Oh, God, yeah. Um, but it was very interesting that that uh, you know you you did a little promo for for Stag's art show uh, yes. because it's kind of related to where we're going today oh. in that it's it's uh, an art exhibition in a non traditional art space mm-hmm. and today we're going to be talking about street art yes. and not only that we're going to be talking with um, a curator 
of street art in Chicago. That's right. Who curates a pole. <laughs> it's yes, called Western Pole. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. His name is uh, Jesse Melmud, and um, he he curates a pole. And it's a it's really fascinating because you've been aware of this at some point along the way you twig to the fact that well this is an art space yeah and and you you saw him out there on the street right oh my god i couldn't believe it after a couple of years of seeing this like a long time we've been watching this and um even our you know our informant codename roadway told us about it because i guess he had read about it in the paper and then Stag and I often look at it and often think about it and wonder what's going on. Well, when I was walking to work the other day, lo and behold, I saw some activity. There was a highly suspicious activity um, around this poll. I took pictures of it, which I will share on our on our Instagram page and Facebook so you can see. And you, I could not take a picture of my heart palpitation. So I booted it across the street and said, you can't possibly be the one who does this poll. And it was. And he agreed to visit us today. And... He's a very interesting fellow. Very interesting But that's fellow. not all today. No, it's no, not no, all. no, no, no. <laughs> Anyone who's lived in Toronto between the 70s and the 80s, through the 80s, will have seen on the streets in Toronto plaques or books that appear to be clad in copper. Mm-hmm. And... These things were all over the place in Toronto for years and years and years, and nobody knew who did it, who did them. That's they were right. completely anonymous, mm-hmm. but they aren't anonymous today. They were done by a fellow named Rocky Zenick, and Rocky Zenick will be joining us today Yay! to talk about his history doing these amazing pieces of street art in Toronto. So we have two really fantastic interviews for you. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're going to really speak for themselves. We don't have to give they them are. any more introduction than that. Um, it's really fantastic. And we'd like to know what you think about street art, because today it, in, in our, as we get to what I hope is the tail end of COVID, sometimes mm-hmm. I think it's not, but right. um, here in the, uh, in the COVID universe, I ask myself often the question, what does the future of exhibiting look like for, for artists? Thank you, you know, there are some galleries that have that have reopened, mm-hmm. but you know I'm still really nervous about going to any more interior crowded spaces than um, than absolutely necessary. So I haven't been going out to art galleries, right? Uh, and so I wonder, you know, as also as someone who's a, a painter who was showing in the commercial scene, who stepped away from that scene, and now I'm making work, and I, I really don't know where to focus it, where to exhibit it, um, where, where do we look at art today? And um, talking to uh, to our guest today, we can see an alternative approach, uh, an outdoor curatorial approach on in a public space. And we can also see more of a guerrilla art approach uh, as we meet an artist who, without ever knowing his name, he's famous because anyone in the scene throughout a long period of time will have recognized those works. Totally. I'm thinking of, I think a lot of our Toronto listeners are going to be pretty excited that uh, they're going to, it's going to trigger a memory for them for sure. So um, once you listen to the interview, uh, we'd like to hear from you. Let 
uh, let us know what you think about mm -hmm. uh, the idea of public art um, or any ideas you have about uh, alternative ways that artists can show their work, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in the uh, in the COVID post-COVID environment. So you can email us at uh, theagency.podcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to uh, hear from you and read your emails on the air. Um, we have Jesse Malmet here, a curator, teacher, artist, um, with Eugene and I. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, Jesse. Uh, you know how I partly heard about you? First of all, I want to say there's been a mysterious telephone pole or light pole in my neighborhood. I'm at 21st Street. It's about two blocks away at Surmac and Western. And one that's day in Chicago. My, that's in Chicago. And one day, one of our informants. Uh, for the agency podcast, his name is Codename Roadway, tells us that, the, that this is an art site and it's my father-in-law. My God, he tells me about the, the art going on in the city. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So Jesse, my husband and I have been intrigued. We take pictures. Uh, I want to know how did this all start and when? Yeah. Um, so it started in almost six years ago um, <gasps> when I actually lived in a different part of the city, but also off of Western. And it was a, an idea that um, related to some other sort of like public programming and let's say like platformist uh, projects that I've had before. So including Trunk Show, which was an artist made bumper sticker project that I did with my former partner, um, Raven Munsell, and uh, that embraced some similar logics, but also functioned very differently. And then um, yeah, sort of like started posting, you know, had, uh, this was up at about Iowa and Western. Okay. Um, so kind of near where car town used to be for those of you who uh, love to know the, the history of pre-condo Chicago. Um, <laughs> and so <clears throat> that was the thing where just sort of like casually started. And it was important for me initially that the first probably, I don't know, seven artists or something like that, like the work just went up and I documented it, but then I didn't, there was no other presence for it. I wanted to be there to be some sort of like momentum with the project before it became announced even remotely. Um, and so then slowly started to, in addition to having the, the works themselves posted, and I should say these are uh, in general eight and a half by 11 pieces of right. paper that artists are making individually mostly with some variation, with a lot of variation, but, um, and then they were put onto a telephone pole. And, um, and then eventually that also kind of like, then there was the uh, documentation as really sort of like public extension of the project. And so it's also something that is archived and announced and documented through my Instagram and then also through, you know, put online in other forms. Um, yeah, and then for the last three years, it's mostly been at Chicago and Cermak uh, with a few moments when it was involved in other exhibitions. And so it was like in front of the Hyde Park Art Center for a while. I was living in New Mexico for a bit. And so it was called Southwestern Pole and lived there. Um, but in general, that happens in a an unannounced, generally clandestine way. Um, Candy came upon us oh last God. week when I was installing uh, a piece with the artist. And that's very rare that the artist is there. I try to also have them be surprised as to oh. when the work actually shows up. Um, yeah, and so it's something that, I don't know, as part of my sort of interest in it is that it's simultaneously so directly, completely in public. One of the few programs that didn't have to change at all during COVID 
um, and also exists sort of secretly or like a little bit camouflaged. Um, Definitely. People. My coworkers thought I was insane when I was trying to describe, it's like an art gallery, but it's only like one foot by two feet and it's on a, <laughs> it's on a light post. And they're like, you are crazy. <laughs> I almost passed out last week when, and I took pictures from across the street. <laughs> I was like taking these pictures. And I was like, I can't believe it. Is this possibly the artist and or the person who's doing this? I was like freaking out. <laughs> how does the how does the uh the the pole curating community uh mm. meet up with the pole artists mm. um well I, I won't say it's a community of one but i will say that uh when i say we it is confounding because i may be the only one there um it's mostly <laughs> um in, in general it's something that i just sort of send to people and say mm -hmm. You know, like, and I try to keep it extremely casual. One of the things that is part of my interest for this as in terms of exhibition spaces, and I'm interested in kind of like playing with all the different codes of exhibition spaces. So in my sort of curatorial practices, as well as as a sort of like a more of an artist curator is taking what are the kind of givens inside of a space and sort of playing with them. And so in this one, it's, it's, it's to me very important that it's something that's really casual in terms of the approach. So even though people should think of it as a solo show, I don't want there to be a press release. I don't want, I want it to be kind of like function much more casually. And so send them a thing and then hopefully they send me something. But also a number of people have reached out to me as uh, perhaps some of your listeners will or some of you two will, um, if you have an idea. And then that often almost always finds its way there. Um, and so when I do talks at schools or whatever, that often also brings some people in. And then there's been, there's a few, um, and then in terms of like the sort of curatorial, like it's much more of a platformist thing than a curatorial thing. Mm -hmm. um in that it's sort of more like providing a space and with almost no exceptions is it not something that is workable um and then there's been some sort of like satellite or cover or um i don't know i don't know how to describe it exactly um just just different projects that have started as a because of it uh, and sort of in response to it so in arkansas there's one that's kind of like the most ongoing one uh, run by my friend brianne called southeastern pole um but then briefly in Michigan and Virginia, another part of Michigan. I don't know, there's been a few other ones that have kind of like happened. Uh, and those sort of have, have, I think also extended the reach of it by doing something that is homage or something or, or like allows people to trace themselves back to it. Um, and their approach means that that has sort of broadened the people who, um, who might reach out to me instead of me reaching out to them. So, so for the viewer, are the artists anonymous? Is, are their names up there? There aren't. Yeah. So um, it, it, that, that's part of the kind of the, 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 the I don't know, um, the way that I've decided to do it, whether or not it's kind of the way that makes the most sense or not, is that the, the poll itself doesn't have the word Western's poll on it anywhere. Uh, the artist's names are not there. My name isn't there. So the, the kind of challenge of that is that it does mean that it can be a situation in which somebody might happen upon it and then not kind of be able to access more about it, um, which I think is a challenge and maybe one that is even related to how we how we got here. Um, but I do think that it, that, so, so, but then like the way that it exists in, on the internet is something where they're like fully credited and it's very much like about kind of connecting that artist to it. Okay. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, part of my feeling about that is that the, I, I would rather that it's something that a person happens upon and is kind of like delighted by the experience of something that feels both related to the experience of walking down the street and seeing things on poles, but there's something a little different about it. Um, and then if they are also somebody who like lives in the neighborhood or hangs out at that bus stop, it's right in front of a bus stop, or it's, it's right by also a big uh, stop sign that maybe people who spend time in that routine or that's part of their um, 
the commute that that becomes a thing where that sort of like serves as a space of excitement or something. Sure. And so, um, yeah. So for somebody passing by, uh, they, they could maybe do some detective work and figure it out. Um, or also just be like, huh, that was, that's a thing. Something is different there. Yeah, um, which I feel like is part of what art can do really well. Well, sure. yeah, it's funny because you know, my husband and I are flyer geeks. We put up flyers, we put up flyers for the podcast and, um, you know, I kept thinking I was going to put a flyer underneath it. And then I was like, oh, I felt like I was respecting the space, oddly enough, which I'm not really a big one on. Ruth. <laughs> but the thing <laughs> is, it's very obvious, you know, at least to me, it was very obvious to my husband and I, because it was like someone was sending us a message because we're both artists. We knew it was art. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes the content or the image is uh, what would I say was um, ambiguous or vague, um, but it was always like, oh my God. And I actually didn't know if it was different artists sometimes. I really didn't know. It was really funny. And I didn't know that the, um, the newspaper article or anything, that coverage. I, I didn't spend a lot of time, I guess, going online to see if I could find anything. I kind of enjoyed the mystery. Yeah, totally. And I also, you know, it's, it's funny that you sort of say with the with the one artist or not, because this like like a few other projects that I've engaged in is something mm. where like uh, there was a there was a brief moment when it was just going to be my thing, like just like I would make these things and challenge myself to pr produce that amount. And then as has happened with a series of other projects that I've been involved with, it feels sometimes like an idea is better when it is when it becomes capacious and a platform for other people to be involved and just to bring in all these different kind of ways of approaching that. Um, and that's not to say that then I don't sometimes also use telephone poles on my work or something like that, but there was a way that it felt like it was more interesting to to serve as a sort of like a catalyst and a platform and a, the the waiter for for this particular thing. Um, and yeah, and, and I, I mean, I, I really, I, I that, that's nice to hear that it, it you could sense that there was something different mm -hmm. about it. And hopefully that is a thing where, and it's also that it's not updated with sort of regularity. I try to make it like a little, just like that, a little more chaos mode in terms of how mm -hmm. often there's a new exhibition, uh, hopefully allows for just like the, that little bit more, I don't know, excitement in the encounter that a person who even passes by on the daily would have. Right, right. I, I'm gonna, oh, go ahead. Are you, are you satisfied with uh, one poll at a time or uh, <laughs> do you wanna create a poll empire? Um, you know, that's also that had there have been ideas about that at different times. And um, as it is right now, I'm actually like very, I, I think that the the scale of it is kind of like just right for my, I, th I think that there's something about the the modesty and the casualness of it um, that I like. And then also have, it's not like I can claim any sort of ownership over the idea <laughs> of putting things on a pole. And so I like would be um, excited and flattered if other folks that wanted to do a version of this and wherever uh, had an interest in sort of like corresponding or offering credit or something like that for some version of it. Um, certainly it's a, you know, like when using vernacular forms, you certainly can't claim that they're your own. Um, you know, I mean, as, as much as one really like, it, it's difficult to claim full credit for most anything um, in a world that is filled with feedback cycles of ideas. Uh, yeah, but in terms of like my involvement, it's like, it's kind of just right. Like it allows all these other things to happen and to still be able to, to engage in this practice. And, you know, like there are occasional moments where I'm sort of like, oh, I can't any longer. And then I'm oh, like, yeah. uh, you know, this like took me four minutes. I really should <laughs> not complain 
uh, I have a gallery that costs like $30 a year in rent and it's not rent, it's tape. It's like, yeah, I think that I can uh, continue. And I have to go to Kinko sometimes and print. And it's like, oh my, right. and it's like, wow, having done things in other realms, um, this is an enormously efficient way of getting to work with 40 artists a year, you know? Well, yeah, plus it eliminates a problem that I could tell you is a big one for many artists and that's storage. Sure. You don't have to worry about storing anything if you're if you're printing it at Kinko's and putting it on a pole, um, because you're going to let the the weather take care of your storage issue. It's true, yeah, and 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 occasionally some um, I don't know we could call like uh, collectors some sort of uh, yeah. I, was just, I was just about to say, I I have been tempted to steal. I didn't. I didn't. I just didn't want that karma. But um, are you preserving? Are you archiving it after it comes down, or are they missing, or does it go back to the artist? The archive is is entirely photographic. Um, okay. And, and I have, I, I guess, I have like a few stray pieces of paper here and there. <laughs> if I clean up, then I'll like sort of do some things. But the idea is really that it sort of like just exists there. Um, and what that has meant is that there were a few of them that were sort of like. There's some interesting moments. One of which at the old place, uh, this artist Tim McMillan made this figure that was um, a panda who was a you know a dancer an exotic dancer and was playing with that kind of idea of the pole and uh -huh. we sold it like at midnight one night and then like two days later it was gone and so then he made another a second work like a sort of addendum to the piece which was a uh like a lost have you seen this thing that we put all that we put there and then through the internet somebody like sent him a thing and it was like oh man and like my roommates yeah, I came home late a couple nights ago and there was like this crazy sculpture in the living room. And I was like, what is this? Anyway, it's yours. So um, there's been a few moments like that. Uh, Jessica Campbell's, which was this really, and it was, all, I mean, Jessica Campbell is a great artist and we've done a lot of stuff together, but it was also an interesting thing because it was like relatively uh, uh, short interval between the show that she sold at MCA. And then it was, it was different looking, but definitely the same person, definitely the same kind of thing. And that was... Mm left on the pole and it said free and so then somebody took it but they left a note saying dear whoever you are uh we've been like admiring this project for a while and felt like it was okay for us to take it because it does say free <laughs> and i don't know but we're like Ugh. oh i love that the guilt um, and it was great guilt. but it was, it was like yeah. uh and, and also the, and i feel like the correspondent side of it like that they made an epistolary relationship that they wrote something back and then that became the piece for that week was like now this note that was left to us is is the work for the week uh, Jessica was ecstatic. You know, it's, it's just like, it's, it's so fun to be able to play in different realms than, I don't know, than so many of the ways that art circulates. Um, there must be a certain gratification too, if somebody walks off with the work. Yeah. It's like, I it's mean, a measure of success in a way. Yeah, totally. And like, my, my preference would be that it's up for a week. So that everybody gets a chance to see it, but there were, you know, there's been a few objects that I was a little like, man, I was going to be the one to steal that. I uh, <laughs> feel like I got scooped on that one. Um, yeah, but it's also, you know, it's like like between rain and uh, snow and wind and all the other things yeah. that Chicago is uh, known for. Um, and then occasional, you know, pilfering. That's sort of, the, that's the archive really, uh, besides the photographs. And also it um, transcended the pandemic. Your project transcended the pandemic because it was yeah. still there. So the odd times when we were out walking, I made a point of, oh, my God, is there anything happening there? It was very comforting and fascinating. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it was really, um, you know, I had some other, I had, uh, I mean, like, like everyone that was a, 
<laughs> a horrifying time and also certainly like at at the not high on the list in terms of the ways that it was horrible for the world mm. um it was very negatively impacting as an artist who like you know like the, the weekend of shutdown i had like i was opening a show and doing a performance and like had just started a space and was like really like my my mind was just filled with ideas and new possibilities in publics and that being removed and being replaced by like performances on zoom or whatever was right. uh disappointing as a a great understatement um so it was really nice to have this thing that could keep going and um i think even maybe the first one that happened in the pandemic uh this was as you may recall also like right after the mauricio catalan banana um yes. this was during yes. like the, that first like the first three days of it um ethan gill who's a painter and who had like been sending me, I think like he maybe sent me like a preparatory drawing weeks before, like what he might do. And it was like, okay, I'm gonna Venmo you for some Purell. You need to put it up. This is the way I want it to look like the the banana, but I also want it to be like a helix. So it looks sort of like the um, the staff, the medical staff. And so we were able to do that. And then I like would kind of, you know, we'll look around and like see people using it. And it was, uh, what an amazing way to be sort of like responding to the moment. Yes. And that unlike most exhibition spaces to be like, yeah, I guess I could do that in, I could, yeah, I could do that now. I could go do that right now. We could go make this thing happen right now. You right, know? <laughs> right. And it was okay to go outside for a walk. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> it was not okay to go to a gallery. Sure. So there, yeah. that was pretty interesting too. Um, so if anyone wants to, um, Eugene, um, what else do we want to say? Do we want to find out how someone would contact you if they have some artwork? Probably everyone except my husband and I already knows who you are. <laughs> uh people yeah i mean um people can contact me through my website or email me it's my name jesse malmed at gmail.com or my website is gmail or something it's probably yeah. not gmail my yeah. website is not gmail uh jessemalmed.net and then in terms of the the project exists at westernpole.tumblr.com and then also on instagram just through my own handle which is marmblatt m-a-r-m-b-l-a-t-t and uh, or if you search Western Pole, it's like 99 images of a pole with art on it and <laughs> one of people maybe partying in Russia or something. Oh, that's funny. Um, I can't remember exactly what, but it's something that just like, I, or maybe it's a Christmas something. People dress up for Christmas in Western wear, maybe. I don't know. Uh, anyway, but otherwise, it's like, uh, I'm not that one. I'm also not the one other Jesse Malmet in the world who doesn't have a connection to art and must be annoyed that we share a name. <laughs> um, can you tell us about anything else you're working on right now? Um, I just did a performance at Co-Prosperity two days ago, which was very fun. I was telling uh, 840 jokes in three hours in the window as part of a project Lawrence Sudbrink was doing related to Eric Satie's vexations. Uh, and the other thing is also like just as a, a perfect moment of using this medium is that I also am, like have made a decent chunk of artist made merchandise let's say uh oh, i'm doing do now tell. another project uh called jetsy Merchblatt. uh so you can see right now this is in particular for your listeners uh Good. this is one of them this is a hat this that's a mama hat it looks nice. an awful lot like moma except <laughs> it's M. Uh, i made it for my mother for mother's day and i'm selling those there's a Excellent. hat that uses a sort of university font called collage there's magnets there's stickers uh wow, but they're, they're good for, for art yeah Art minds who like jokes will like them. Good, great. I uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> this was really a great treat, and I look forward to following what else you do. And, yeah. Uh, thank you.
And maybe yeah. we'll have to set up a poll up here in Toronto. I think yeah. I think that's time in Toronto. We need to do that. Yeah, that's good. I am. Uh, I mean, I don't know if this is the right place to say it, but I, I am half Canadian. My mom is Canadian, Stop it. and so I feel. Well, of uh, course, I, I could have guessed. You could have guessed. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like the way that you spell poll with a U somehow. Like, no, <laughs> really cool. Canada, but I have. I have. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Canadian in my oh. life. So. Well, Excellent. okay. Uh, we love this Canadian Toronto, Toronto Chicago combination. And thanks for spending time with us. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. I'm going to start this off because I'm pretty excited. Um, all the years I went to nightclubs and came out as a goth, I was doing goth and dancing and staying up all night. One of the joys of the Toronto street life was seeing these mysterious pieces of art outside chained to fences, chained to telephone poles. Sometimes they look like a book. Sometimes they look like manuscripts. And I'm pretty excited to welcome Rocky Zenick here with Eugene. Hey, Rocky. Nice to meet you. Hi, how are you? It is so exciting to meet you. Um, did you know you were idolized around the city? I get uh, I get lots of stories from people. I went on, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was an honors for so many years, so it's yes. kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, but uh, now it's a different story. All right. Well, tell us about how this started, if you can. Did you go to art school? Did you just wake up welding one day or what? Uh, you mean the, the arts? Yeah. How did you start art. doing this? Oh, how did you start, start doing the street art? Uh, I'm kind of old school. I started when I was like, uh, I was a shoeshine boy in Toronto in the, in the 70s. Oh, wow. Wow. So there's a whole scene back then in those days, uh, young streets. So I started putting, me and Ronnie Bolter were putting up... Uh, Kind of keep a corner and stuff that we would put up. Uh, we put up a photo a photocopy machine we just invented. So at the main library, which used to be on College Street, we would go there and make photocopies of stuff and put them up. So that's sixty nine seventy and young. Oh. So I was twelve years old. Yeah, you wow. must have been. You must have been pretty young because you look pretty young right now. Looking at you, that's so uh, cool. You are so <laughs> avant garde and experimental. So you started with that, and did you get feedback, or would you just no, kind of uh, go well, crazy? It, it, it's a hard story back then. I mean, yeah. nobody, it wasn't considered art or anything. There was no, no. art. There was nothing. It was just crazy. Uh, did I get feedback? I, I actually do remember uh, feedback was kind of funny. I was a non, you know, it, it was, uh, I liked it. I mean, I kind of was a kind of screwed up kid. Yeah. Uh, but I remember I did this series, uh, poster series on, um, how to spot store security in the Eaton store, the old Eaton store, not the Eaton Center. Okay. Uh, my mother, my mom worked in there. So I knew how to spot. So I did a pamphlet series in, on the streets, how to spot store security in the old Eaton store. <laughs> and I hear people talking about it. I go, oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> cool. So that was kind of funny. So that was, uh, yeah, that was before the new, that was the old days. Yeah. All right. And so I guess the first time I noticed some of the pieces was probably around 83. And I mean, very substantial, wow, yeah, wow. substantial, beautiful pieces with, yeah. you know, gorgeous colors. It would be around the same time for me, the, you know, the, the early eighties, uh, I, I was living uh, on Ossington Avenue above queen and I see your pieces here and there. And it was clear that, there was one person behind this mm -hmm. um, and I was kind of okay with not knowing who you were, you know, is there something comforting about there's somebody out there giving us this stuff, right? All yeah. we have to do is find it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not, yeah, not being unknown 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was too way too insecure oh. to be out. Way oh. too insecure. I had no politics. I had no art background or anything. Oh. I was way too insecure. I way did not know it was art. I did not know what was going on. That is so fascinating to me because um, they really, they were and are extremely beautiful pieces that you made. And so, um, um, would you? So you're self-taught, and you wouldn't oh, yeah. have called it. You wouldn't have called it art, or did you? Did well, you nobody, understand that you were doing? No, nobody would have called it art. I mean, I understand. I mean, the history of art, street art. I know, I know a little bit about it. I think. Yeah. So no, nobody would have called it art. Uh, it depends on how early, but it's just stuff on the street. It was not really considered. I mean, our world was small. Toronto was a small city back then. Yes, it was. Yeah. There was a period in the 70s and 80s when people left. It was actually kind of empty. Yes, that is true. Um, I, we've talked about this on the podcast. There was there was like a scene of about 70 people, and you'd go to the um, you'd go to Larry's Hideaway or the yeah. Cameron, and I always saw the same people. So yeah. a lot of your artwork, you must have been living. Were you living around um, Queen West? I was in. I was living uh, in the market. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There you Perfect. go. It all makes sense now. I, I, yeah, I grew up. I, I, you know, when I went to high school, I was living on St. Clarence Avenue before. But Young Street was my hang. I mean, I, I'm, I moved to Toronto when I was ten years old. So yeah, since I was ten years old, I was just running around Young. You know, the streets and, and were yours. Days, and those days, Young Street was the only street things were happening. Yes. Yes. You know, very really. true. And you, uh, you know, so there was a scene there. So I hung out. There was, there was a, a couple of clubs on there for dancing and then all the rednecks and, and suburban guys would drive up and down Young Street with their cars. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, so I'm were, talking as a, a boy, as a boy. I mean, sure. Older on, I grew up. I lived but what, are, what does your mom think? Because I mean, at that point, there were peelers on Young Street. I would call, we would call them dancers, oh, sex workers. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I didn't have a normal childhood. Yeah, well, we, <laughs> Sorry for laughing. I think no, it looks no, my good mom, on you. My my mom came to Toronto with four kids on a oh uh, basically on a midnight move. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I we know were, what you're talking about. And it's before '69. Divorces weren't legal, so we were kind of underground, anyways. Oh my god! So that's how it was in those days. Divorce wasn't legal. She came here in midnight move from northern Manitoba, way in the bush. Really? So wow. Town had no road into it when I moved there, so it was like uh, we came to Toronto. She knew nobody. Right. But she got a job at Eaton's Warehouse off Eaton, off Young Street. So I meet her lunchtime and, you know, she had four kids. I was the oldest kid, so I was looking after the kids and stuff. But, uh, right. Uh, I was shoe shining early on. That's what we did. I mean, it's kind of a common thing. I did it in Manitoba. I even went and lived in Manitoba. I did it. Now, eight, wow. Eight, nine years old. Yeah. I was, you know, I was smoking and I was, I, was, I, well, I quit, quit smoking <laughs> at nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think that where did it change can you tell me or uh, us about at some point you did flyers? I was not in Toronto at that time, but what changed that you understood that you wanted to chain them down or tie them into keep them positioned there? And how long did pieces stay? Can you give us a little bit of a background? It, it how did you start making this stuff? It depends. Uh, there's I did all kinds of different kinds of work. That's the weird thing. I also did big billboards. Oh, Giant billboards. I covered buildings and billboards. That, that's part of 85, 84. Wow. I, I, on top of my thing. So I was not, then I was kind of more out for some things. So if you look at my Instagram, my daughter has gone through my archives. That's why I have stuff that my daughter's, oh. he went, she went through, I've got a, 2000 files back here, slides of stuff that she's just going through. Uh, and that's how I have, that's why I have it. She's the one who's. Oh, so that's, that's why the Instagram started? Yeah. Oh yeah. I wouldn't. 
like you know my daughter wanted my daughter was a great kid she uh wanted to, me not to lose them and so she digitized and then because i'm on instagram people send me photos all the time like some people <gasps> Because I don't have all these works, and oh. people send me photos. So as it turns out, there's a number of people who collect my stuff, photos. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, of course. Duh. Yeah, absolutely. They're collected in my heart, dude. I um, went to I went to the Toronto Archives looking for a photo, and the head of the Toronto Archives had some on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Beautiful. So so people have them. So I'm getting pieces. I'm trying to remember, and I'm trying to remember where they came from. Like okay. for me, it's like this whole emotional reliving. So I'm out now. I'm actually way out. Like it's kind of weird being anonymous. I mean, yeah. And also, anonymous is not a one is a one word, but it means lots of different things. It depends. Yes. Did I have a pseudonym? Did I, you know, there's, did I have, I had different levels of it. All kinds of levels. Not one thing. Yeah. I never had a pseudonym. I never, I never. I just, I was, I was not like Banksy. I had a pseudonym. I never had no name. I so, uh, I would do, billboards, big bill billboards. Uh, that would be on buildings on Sundays and Saturdays. I would do these right. anti anti uh, billboard making fun of billboards and stuff. I was like uh, culture jamming or yeah, culture yeah. early country jam. I was doing country jamming eighty four eighty two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I was doing that. That was a more I was more out for that than my books. Okay. And the books is because I was I felt bad. All these bookstores were closing. Remember, and they were going garbage bins. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. Yes. So I was doing books before anything else. I was just I felt bad. These books were like all over the garbage. Oh, yeah. So how did you make the books? How did yeah, you, how'd you make, make the books? We need how to know. do it. What do you mean? Well, how did you make them? Yeah. I would I would get a book and cover with copper. I have some here even. Cover it with uh, copper. I often cover copper because I worked at a. I was an iron worker. I oh. became an iron worker eventually, and I worked on a job okay. at the bottom of Young Street, which is a, if you look at a job, it's, it's a copper clad building, mm -hmm. <laughs> and from there. Uh, I was getting stealing all this copper, leftover copper from the building. So I had all this copper. So that was an 81, 82. So I had all this copper. So I was cladding it in copper. So that was why. So here, here's a book here. This book here. Oh. Uh, and it's this one. I manufactured this book. I made, I cut the paper and I made a book. Sometimes they're real books. This mm -hmm. is, a, you know, I got, you know. So. Well, that's pretty cool because I, I guess what I'm realizing is you didn't just have one technique. You had a few. It was kind of, would you just make it up as you go? I yeah, I knew how to bolt things up. I, I wanted to, I had different, that's before electric power tools. Yes. So I have to find a way to do it by hand. I had to be quick. Not so sure, much, yeah. mainly because people go, are you the guy? You know, like people. Right, right, right. <laughs> sure. There, there was a time in the late 80s, I couldn't, because people... We're looking, I mean, I was kind of like people trying to find me and stuff, right? <laughs> right. And I was anonymous completely. That time I was on my books, other stuff I wasn't anonymous. I was doing posters and I was not anonymous and other things, but okay. Uh, but in my books, I was still anonymous and I completely. Yeah. Uh, like my best friends didn't know, my girlfriend <gasps> didn't know. Like, really? Because I was psychotic, right? I'm not a really, I, I would be my, uh, I'd go off to work and go there and make 20 pieces and put them up. My, I mean, I've been through enough therapy to work it up. <laughs> It's uh, I had to work it out, right? I, I was just so, panic. I guess we're lucky that you weren't the Unabomber. 
Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, how <laughs> you, you were the art bomber. Yeah. You were the yeah, art bomber. Yeah. How you, I mean, how you work things out. Yeah. Yeah. How you work things out. That is really beautiful. Yeah. So would you just get obsessed with something or just start thinking, hey, well, course, I like this material? I'd be obsessed. I was not logical. I was, I, was oh. I did, I did like, I would one day, one, for like two months, I had nothing but babies. You know, I could find your pictures of babies. And just these, you know, why are just images of babies I put up? Harbor Street covered babies. I remember that on Queen Street. I do remember yeah, some Queen baby Street. figures. Yeah. Did, yeah. For a while, I just went crazy. Then I don't know why. I have no yeah. idea why. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know what I, why I do things I do in art. Yeah. I don't know why. I like it and I'm obsessed with it. Um, did you, are you still an iron worker? No. Are you I'm a metal, still making... I'm a metal worker. No, I'm a metal worker now. Okay. I'm not an iron worker. I All left right. the union. I worked high rises. I, I walked out of the union during OCA and I didn't work for a while. I just traveled around. Okay. I got into it early on. Then I quit. Iron work. I got out of the union. I was in the union. I mean, I was a union job, still living in the market. So I had this weird, I have a weird, I mean, I don't know how to start, but it's, I, I, then I walked away, made 20, 30 years ago now. Okay. And years old. are you still pain. making, are you still making objects? Yeah, I'll call time, yeah. You are? Yeah, I got it here. Yeah, yeah I got, see this? Yeah. That's a sword. That's sword. Okay. I got that. I got a show coming up at Open Studio for that. All right. Okay. Very uh, cool. I, what date and what address? Do you know? Yeah, Open Four One Richmond. Uh, I got a poster there for it somewhere. Okay. I'm always doing stuff. It's different now. It's it's kind of a funny art world now. But yeah, I, I got a. I'm always working on stuff. Um, still putting up plaques. People. The difference is people come to me now. I do a lot of memorials for people. Oh, uh, yeah. So I do a lot of memorials. I did a drug users memorial for people who died of drug overdose. A lot of friends died of drug overdose because yeah. we don't know we've gone through a period. So I did the one. There's I have a big sculpture at the in the East End on Queen and Carla, and that is a drug user memorial. It's an eight foot tall sculpture. I worked with. I worked spent two years working with people on the street coming up with images for it. Okay. And I just did one for town of Bancroft, who I got I, I got a cabin up there, friends up there. So I did this uh, for people dying on the street. So I did this big plaque. I've been a number of those. And I work with people who are living on the street and stuff. And I work, uh, you know, that's Fantastic. different kind of stuff. But I do a lot of drug use, drug users memorials and stuff. Oh. Or other memorials. So I've done a number of that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah. different, it's different. It's I kind of now see everything as, I see sculptures often as memorials. Yeah. Even all of them, even this abstract, I kind of see them as as that way. Well, in a way, your books were memorials for books. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very fascinating. Um, has anyone come and asked you to to buy an old book if you still have it or anything? Yeah. Are you able to sell those? Well, I yeah, I, I don't really. I I have a. I've been showing in gala. I've been showing. I'll show it open studio now. Yeah. I get more. It's kind of funny the art world. I don't know how you know how. Oh, it, it is funny. It's okay. very funny. Yes, are it you, is very you, funny. Are you, are you are you two? How are you involved in the art world? Uh, we're both we're both artists. painters. Yeah, yeah. artists. Yeah. yeah, so I I kind of been skirting around it a little bit. I see how it goes. I get better shows like you know most of I get into a lot of anthologies and books. Okay. Mostly in the states or England or something, you know. Oh. Not so much Canada so much. That that sounds about right. <laughs> But uh, for so different reasons, I do because yes. I do posters too. I've okay. done political posters, and my posters are are uh, what probably people know me the most, mm. different than my books. Interesting. Um, yeah, interference. You know, I, right now I just just because I'm talking on the with you guys. Yeah. One of my posters I did for the G20 in the 19 year 2000. Mm -hmm. It's been a number of anthologies, major anthologies. I got up England and stuff. 
but it's just been, I'm, I'm instructed. They're, they're paying me money for it. It's going to be uh, out of the, the last 50 years, they picked 25 political posters. Mine is one of them. Well, and congratulations. Everybody else, and everybody else is famous. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you're famous. Don't worry. Well, you are. I mean, no, I mean, Canada, you just don't know it yet. I'm the, only Canadian, I'm the only Canadian they, they chose. But I, I felt like, oh, that's interesting. It's a poster. They had, it was done under a different name. They found me, and yeah, now people know who I am. I have different names, and yeah. a lot of different names I sign things on. So I have a poster career doing political posters where people know who I am. They ask, I do illustrations for, I do a lot of illustrations for a lot of prison magazines. Damn. I have a lot of friends, a friend of mine puts it up, I do a lot of prison support work. Mm-hmm. Uh, good for you. So I do a lot of prison uh, work. So I do a lot of, uh, which is the best. I mean, one thing you do about prison is that. Uh, so my stuff is really detailed. If you don't, you don't know my drawings. Maybe you don't know my drawings. I'm gonna go look. <laughs> I do printmaking and drawings, right? If you yes. look at my, they're kind of intricate because if you're in prison, you got lots of time. I got yes. all these feed, I got all these feedback from prisoners who read everything into everything. So it's kind of where they spend hours on my. On right. It's kind of interesting, yeah. So. Right. Wow, I, you're. I'm. I'm so impressed. It makes sense that you've you've taken this um, public um, action and really put your heart into it into the right places. It's pretty cool. I'm very honored to meet you. You really That's inspired. You inspired me over the years massively. I uh, you know. I know when I saw your your stuff starting to appear on Instagram, I thought, hey, it's him. It's him. I know it's this the stuff. person. I know. I know. I, I get. I'm getting. I'm getting so much of that. I mean, I used to be. Right. I used to run and hide, honest to God. <laughs> I really would. But oh, now God. I'm 65 years old. I figure, you know, my daughter's telling me, you know what? I'm more matter of fact about it. I can now have a perspective. And I've done a, sure. uh, lots of different things. You know, yeah. uh, I make art every day. That's what I do. I've always done it. Mm. And I make stuff every day. So mm. when I put it up, the thing is, I, my studio is full. I fill it up, put it up. You know, that's what I do. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank your daughter. I'm very glad that she understood your potential for legacy and for passing this on. Let's hope you inspire some other young people. Um, when did you hear about Banksy? <laughs> oh, I don't know. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're our Canadian, our Toronto. I'm a little old. I'm a little older than he is. I was a little, I've been, I've been doing it long before they were. You all. were. <laughs> you definitely were. But he's definitely. good. He's good. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Rocky, um, for sharing with us. And we're going to share your show coming up at the 401 and your Instagram page. Um, it's a real okay. We really appreciate your coming on and talking with yeah. us. Thank you very much. Yeah, actually, you, you. Guys, you guys seem uh, better than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> we're not complete assholes. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Thank you. You're amazing. No. You're a rock star. Thank you. Take care. Take, Take care. Bye. Thanks, bye. bye.